welcome into JAGZAM. I'm Kainani Stevens. John Oger and Brian Sexton are with me as we get ready for our first postseason edition of JAGZAM. As things ended in a disappointing way, as the Jags lost to the Titans in their final game of the season and miss out on the playoffs, finishing 9 and 8. Our first big thing today is deja vu. A lot of the issues we talked about all season came back to bite this team in their final game of the season against the Titans. Doug Peterson talked about things post game. I'm frustrated. I'm disappointed. I'm mad angry um, <clears throat> you know my heart hurts obviously for the players the coaches involved there's they've, they've, they've worked their tails off but um, you know it's today's game was sort of our season in a nutshell really um, the mistakes the penalties the turnovers um, missed tackles and those are all things that um, you know hurt us you know down the stretch Brian, turnovers, mistakes, self-inflicted mistakes, penalties, bad tackling, all that stuff we talked about all season long, never got fixed, and right. it ended up biting them in the end. It did. You know, there were, there were times over the, the final six games, five of which obviously were losses, where you could point and say, well, you got Blake Hant starting at left tackle against Cleveland, or you're missing Andre Sisco and Tyson Campbell in the secondary, and there's no Christian Kirk, and you could kind of see where things would be rough. But the underlying theme of trouble on third down, um, ineffectiveness in the red zone, poor tackling, never changed. It was a constant theme. There were moments where it was okay. Uh, no point at all that they were consistent this year in the areas that the head coach pointed out that they needed to be consistent with. And that's a big problem, and it's why he's making changes. Well, in the NFL, bad teams do what the Jaguars were doing at the end of the season. And I don't think the Jaguars were a bad team all season, but uh, – they kept doing these things that bad teams do, and Doug knew it. The coaches knew it. They kept talking about it. They kept emphasizing it, and the turnovers kept happening. The mistakes, the drive-killing penalties, all of a sudden, you know, how many times this year did you, did you feel like they were in first and 15, you know, which for this team was a big lift. Um, you know, obviously, Doug saw something fairly systemic because as close as a head coach can do without leaving, he's hit the reset button. Yeah. So uh, this is the time for change. Our second big thing is lights too bright. We talked a lot about the team playing their best football in big games the year before, but this year it was the opposite. There was a ton of big games on the schedule, but it seems like they weren't able to get up for those games. Trevor Lawrence talked about that after the game against the Titans. For some reason, you know, we just didn't play as good as a team as the season went on, you know, when we needed it, when we needed to be our best, we weren't. And last year, it was the opposite. You know, when we needed to be our best and absolutely had to have it, we were and we found a way to win um, up until the divisional. So, yeah, it's, uh, you just have to bring that every week and there was a disconnect somewhere and um, obviously we weren't able to put that on the field in the back half of the season like we needed to, to give our, ourselves a chance to make the playoffs and go on a run. And um, yeah, it's, yeah, it definitely sucks though. John, we were in the locker room doing some of those exit interviews the other day. A lot of the players said they felt like, you know, the season before it felt like, oh, it'll happen, something will turn it around, there'll be that spark or something like that. But this year that never came, and it felt like they were kind of waiting for that a little bit instead of fixing things in the moment. Yeah, and, I, you know, I'm not sure what finding a spark or waiting for a spark means. I, I do know that the, the last game felt like a microcosm of the season, and, and, I, and I, Doug talked a little about that last, uh, you know, not being able to get it in on third and fourth and one. To me, the microcosm was they never came back this year. They trailed eight times at halftime, I think, or uh, seven times at halftime, 
and they lost all the games. They almost captured the magic on Sunday a little bit. You know, they're down, what, 15, come back, you make it eight, and then you feel like, oh my goodness, here's the comeback thing, and then it goes away. And to me, that sort of summed up the season. They never could, once they took a body blow in a game and got down, Brian, they never could get back up. And that was the polar opposite of what this team was last year. And that's why when people have asked me in the last couple of days what happened, I'm, I'm kind of at a loss. I don't know why they didn't have that chip. It carried them last year, and you thought that's what they were, and they weren't that this year. Well, you heard Doug in his news conference on Monday say that he had been talking to the players and trying to figure out the why behind how they could not show up in big games. They didn't. Chiefs, Niners, Ravens, Bengals, and the biggest of all games this year, the Titans game, they just, it was, they were no-shows. It was bad performances all around. Some days it was the offense, the Chiefs. Sometimes it was the defense, the Bengals. You figure it out. But if you don't tell us what those whys are, well, then we get to discuss all of them and all the possibilities. So here's one, and that is they're just not good enough on either line, right? We thought the offensive line had the pieces in place to be a really solid unit. Well, they don't. Um, we, we talked last week about Cam Robinson being a guy they had to have out there. He didn't play very well on Sunday. Uh, Walker Little didn't play very well this season. Uh, the center was dead roached, put on his back on the most important play of the season on fourth down. Okay, well, you've got to get better on the offensive line. And on defense, <clears throat> now they're going to have a whole new staff guy. But th- they knew what was coming on Sunday. They knew it was going to be the Derrick Henry show. That was all the Titans had. And it was the Derrick Henry show over and over and over. So they couldn't stop it. I think in the reality of it, the why is they just weren't good enough for those big games that were circled on the calendar. That leads us into our final big thing, which is the biggest big thing, and it's the blame game. There's a lot of blame to go around here, and some people have already been fired because of that. Brian, we discussed the defensive staff. Mike Caldwell was released, as well as his staff, and some changes on the other side of the football as well. Is this just a little bit of what's to come? I mean, we've discussed this is a pretty big change on the coaching staff. Well, you know, Kai, I've never seen it. I mean, I've seen a a defensive coordinator dismissed and then coaches allowed to leave. I've never seen it wholesale wiped off the chalkboard, so to speak, like this. So it seems pretty dramatic. Um, It it, it probably isn't quite that dramatic with what happened this year, especially in the final game of the season. It makes sense. And so it's just a little bit bolder of a move, a more sudden move uh, on the part of the coach to get changed that absolutely has to come. John, you can't lose five of your last six games. Uh, you can't go from being eight and three. Remember, eight, one point eight and three, they were number one mm-hmm. with home field advantage in the AFC. And then from that point forward, they just slid off the map. When you have that, you have to make changes. No matter how dramatic it may seem, you have to clean things up. And sometimes that means cleaning things out. Yeah, I hope somebody got a screenshot of the the NBC graphic that night with the one next one. to it because it seems very fleeting. Um, I, uh, I, uh, I'm not a big always blame coaching. Uh, the reality is you, you can't fire all the players. So if you want to make a change, you have to fire coaches. Um, that's where we are. And in two weeks, we'll, or in a certain amount of time, we'll be listening to a new defensive coordinator talk about the philosophy going forward. Uh, Whatever happens, uh, players on defense have to play a lot better. Uh, to me, on Sunday, it looked like uh, you know lack of focus, whatever. Uh, when you tell people to fill gaps and they don't fill them, 
uh, I'm not sure how to fix that. We'll deep dive into this the rest of the show and of course tomorrow as well. Stay with us here. We'll look back at that final game of the year against the Titans. fans, you can sign up your furry friend for the Jaguars' official four-legged fan club for pets presented by Forever Vets Animal Hospital. Your pet will receive access to exclusive merchandise, events, and sweepstakes throughout the 2023 season. Visit jaguars.com slash promotion slash four-legged fan club to sign up today. Welcome back to Jagzam presented by Car Shield. We're here in the Hyundai studios and star final first of the postseason. I guess final if you want to call this the last, the last little bit of the regular season, but you know, we would have liked to do some playoff shows. That would have been great. Um, I think we were all hoping for that. But I think the way the things were finishing, I mean, it's the, it's the complete opposite of what we saw in this team of 2022, right? Like they were cold and then they got really hot and then they started off hot this year and then they just worked their way down. And I think everybody's kind of still looking for some answers at this point. They are. Um, and they're pointing to injuries and that makes sense, right? I mean, there were a lot of guys banged up. And last year, John, they stayed healthy for the large part. They didn't have other than losing their left tackle, Cam Robinson, in 2022. And Walker Little stepped in and played really well. This year, there were just too many guys that were unavailable for them to play. And I do think that injuries are a legitimate reason why they didn't play well down the stretch. However, last week, they had most of their guys on the field. I mean, they didn't have Christian Kirk, but they had Cam Robinson. They had Ezra Cleveland. They believed that they were going to be ready to play in a game for all the marbles. Everything was right there in front of them. And this was a game... They said they know the stakes, and they still didn't get it done. Well, it's so situational, this league now. And uh, when you can't run, it's hard to function offensively. And, and, and they couldn't rely on the run. When you couple that with you really didn't have the Zay Jones we saw last year all season. And Zay was a guy last season that Trevor depended on in the clutch moments on third down. Uh, you lost Marvin Jones, who was a guy that made big, big catches. He was at the end of his career, but he made a lot of clutch third down stuff. Uh, Christian Kirk all of a sudden goes away in the last five weeks of the season. So now the last five weeks of the season, you feel clunky. If you're not going to Evan Ingram, you sort of felt clunky. Uh, and, you know, you couple that with the quarterback not being able to practice for the last five or six weeks. Uh, that meant an offense in a game of inches that couldn't get those inches when they needed them. And I don't think they're far away offensively, but clearly they have to have, right now they're not says they have to have consistency and continuity. They can't will themselves to things. And that showed up at the end of the season. Let's go over some of the plays from that final game against the Titans. We knew Derrick Henry was gonna be a problem, but J. Spears was a problem too for this offense. Anybody that was rushing the football for the Titans were a problem for this defense and just so many missed tackles. I mean, it was really like almost comedic at times, the amount of tackles they were missing. And is that just an effort thing? What is that? Is that where, you know, they're losing some of the coaching? It's just effort? Well, I think you look here and you see, I mean, here's 44 coming hard. He misses. And then there's Devin Lloyd, who's got a bad angle. I, I, I don't know if it's effort. If it's a bad angle, is that coaching? But I mean, Look at all the guys around there. Those are two first-round picks last year. Devin Lloyd and Trayvon Walker, and you expect those guys to make that play, and neither one did. I go back to when Trevor, I think, after one of these losses was just like, it looks like we don't practice, and sometimes it really looks like 
they just don't practice those sorts of things. And I'm sure they do. It's just, it's difficult to watch. Um, I would say one of the brief highlights that we got to see in the game um, was that connection between Trevor and, and Calvin Ridley for that long touch. A beautiful, beautiful throw. And I think that's the thing where you're just like, that's why it gets so frustrating because you're like, he can do that. They can do this. Why do they make it look so difficult sometimes, John? Well, I think that play, obviously a great play and it worked. To me on, on Sunday, and everybody's going to say you're making an excuse for Trevor, I thought he was shot putting the ball because of his shoulder. It looked in the second half like it was, he was having to push it a little bit, even on that play a little bit if you yeah. see it. Maybe I'm seeing it wrong. Maybe I'm seeing it through two no, right. glasses up, whatever. So I think that had a lot to do with Sunday, especially in the second half where everything just felt uh, like it was hard. Like even right there, it looked yeah. like it. Um, why doesn't it happen more? Uh, I think big plays don't happen more on offense, basically, when you can't run and the defense doesn't believe that you're going to run. So mm -hmm. they always throw, throw seven or eight men in the back because they don't believe in it. Um, the offensive line or slash running game not being reliable. Defenses this year did not believe that this team could run their way to a victory. Mm -hmm. As a result, they didn't care about stopping it enough. They, there's more to it than that, well, but to me that sums it up. I also think that you, you get to the goal line, third down and goal from the one yard line, and you think, oh, we ought to be able to push in one yard. I mean, it's one yard, let's go. Um, the Jaguars didn't. Right. And, and on third and one, I think that's a running down. And they didn't have enough confidence, at least from my perspective, in the running game to go with it. They, they ran that two-man route to the right, and it just didn't, it didn't make sense. But it, considering how the season had played out, I, yeah. understood, I understand why they didn't have confidence. Sure. Mm -hmm. So uh, that – They were not good on third So and many situations down. this year where third and two, third and three – Akai and I sit next to each other in the press box at most road games. And there are a couple of times where we said, third and one seems so hard. It seems like a long way for this team this year. It's true of a lot of teams, but the good teams don't worry that much about picking up third and one. Let's look ahead. to Derrick Henry, we knew they were going to feed him the ball about as many times as they possibly could. They had six linemen out there half the time to block for him, but he made it look a lot. He, he turned back the clock, that's for sure. He wanted to go out on a high note, and he certainly did. And what he's been able to do, I know he's a super talented. I don't want to take anything away from Derrick Henry, but they made it look so simple when he was rushing out there. He looked so dominant. It looked like he was playing from five years ago. Well, and just look at how hesitant Devin Lloyd is. I mean, he stuck his nose back to the inside, and Henry was clearly headed out. I, I don't know how, again, a first-round pick could have such a bad game in such a big game. Well, he yeah. jumped into the wrong gap, uh, and Derek clearly knew he, that's his M.O., yeah. and uh, Derek knew that set was going to happen and set him up, an eight-year guy beat a second-year guy. Uh, and I don't know if the other plays were as glaring as this with a, a specific player, but uh, it, they said it all week. They have to get a hat on him and not let him get rolling. It's the old cliche. Every Jaguars fan has read Jaguars players for seven years talk about how to stop Derrick Henry. They all know how to do it. They just didn't do it on just Sunday. Don't do it. I mean, I'm sure it's easier to say than do. I very obvious to try to tackle that man. But well we also knew by the way they were going to feed him the ball and that yeah. it was going to be a big emotional day for him because it's probably his final game in Tennessee. Oh, especially now that they fired Mike Vrabel. But didn't you know he gets a twelve yard run in the first series? Oh yeah. Yeah and you just 
uh, you, you know, felt it. It's the, the second series, too. you had it's the 16-yard run. Yeah, you don't want to say it, and I didn't. But you uh -oh. know, you almost feel like you can close the laptop and go home. Yeah, because it it felt like the tone was set. The air came uh, And much like the team all year, unfortunately, a last year's team. Remember, another microcosm up there. Derrick Henry had a monster first quarter. Then nothing. And then Shaq Quarterman hit him, and then he did nothing the rest of the season against the Jags. Yeah. This year he has a monster first quarter, and they go away. Mm -hmm. uh, that's the story of the season, unfortunately. I wish way, it wasn't. By the way, that was an offensive line that was playing very poorly, and that had been the problem, the Achilles heel for the Titans all season long, and they dominated the line of scrimmage. Makes you think, because they have just as many, if not more, <clears throat> excuse me, offensive line problems than we've had, and they're still able to do that. So let's jump ahead. We're going to go to that last kind of – I mean, I, they had a last possession after this, but this is the one that kind of really broke them with the Zay Jones going down to the one yard line on that gain. Um, I don't remember the down on this one, but just coming up short. I, That's I felt third down. Third down. I'm sorry, that was second. That second set down. Up third down. And then they did the third down. Second down, kind of a bad spot, obviously, whatever, after the fact. But And then to get that point, and then they do this throwing situation, which, as we discussed, we would have, you know, tried to run it on third down. But I wouldn't try to run it. John no, and I discussed it. Never absolutely works. would have tried so. <laughs> Your third and a long one. This wasn't a third and long. This was not a third and long one team this year. So I, I, you know, I'm not trying to sit there and bash the offensive line, but based on the body of work all year, I would not have run the ball here because I don't think they'd have picked it up. They didn't pick it up all year. Yeah. Well, I would have tried to run it in and set up a throw on fourth down. But again, this is what everyone does: is you you second guess the play calling and put your own right. side into it. it. It doesn't matter the offensive line didn't do well enough on either situation didn't for them. Execute for yeah, it was a problem all season long with the offensive line, and that was an area that they thought was going to be a strength this year, and it turned out not to be. And then on that final possession, it was supposed to be a run play. Trevor decided to call his own number, go for that quarterback sneak. That's been so tough for us to watch the whole season because he's gotten it sometimes, but he always just looks like Holds he's about to snap um, the way he has to reach over the top because of um, trying to get there on the quarterback. Well, I think instincts took over. He He's made that play multiple times in his career, and it's always worked before. Uh, this year on that play, it looked like Fortner got pushed back. It didn't look uh, like it. It did happen. They were a little further away. Uh, should, should they have challenged the spot and gotten closer on the Zay play? Maybe. You'd also like to think that that half a yard would not be the key to the whole season. Uh, but... They were a team this year that needed, um, that's the right way to say it. Uh, they played on an edge because they weren't good enough to be up in that situation. You follow me? Their margin for error was very small, I guess is what I'm getting at. And that bit him right there. Well, and, and it, to defend Trevor on that situation too, he had no idea of knowing that his center was going to get blown up like that. None. I mean, the center was thrown backwards three yards onto his back. And that ran into through, through, was thrown into Trevor's so to forward progress. That. If the center just holds his own, Trevor probably gets the touchdown. Probably. A lot of things we're saying, you know, Wednesday morning quarterbacking for us, I guess. Um, we're stay with us here on Jags and we're going to do some hot takes when we come back after the break. Move the Freight, Move the Freight, Magellan Transport voted the coolest office space in Jacksonville. You can apply online at www.magellanlogistics.com. You can also 
Call CarShield right now if your car is out of manufacturer's warranty. Don't get stuck with expensive mechanical and computer repairs. Call CarShield right now. Back here in the Hyundai studio. The DNA studios. of this team, you know, will not be the same. This is the last time. The DNA of this locker room will, will be together. So we understand the nature of the business. Um, all I know is, is this feeling, the leaders of this team, the guys that are here, um, you know, this is part of our story. Uh, and we can either, you know, be victims of it or, uh, you know, find a way to, um, you know, make it a part of our, our return, make it, a, make, it a, make it a part of our response. Evan Ingram post game. He's certainly been through some situations in his career before he got here, so he understands that kind of adversity and you know what he's been able to come here and do and build from. I think that's a, a important point to make because there's a lot of people that can be broken by things like this or collapses and just never kind of figuring it out. And obviously, if you're going to be successful, and you want to be championship caliber team. You're going to have to use that as your motivation going forward. They need players to stand up and say that to each other, and he's one of the important voices in that locker room. When you have 114 catches and you approach the all-time record for receptions by a tight end in the season, you have the credibility, mm -hmm. right? Players can talk all they want, but only players who produce on the field really get listened to. He's one of those guys, and I expect he'll be one that has to be going forward. Yeah, he's emerged as a leader. Christian's emerged as a leader. These guys, they know how to do it. They say the right things, and it's a year-to-year -year league. We saw a couple years ago uh, from 3-14, and 14, was it, to 9-8 to yeah. in the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, Jerry's went 9-8. and eight. It's not like they can't, you know, you improve uh, two games on that. You're in the playoffs and in the mix. It's not like it's a lost cause, uh, but they got to get stuff fixed. All right, we got some hot takes. They're from a little bit earlier in the week, but I think they mostly still apply. Yeah, I think they do. So I'll go with the Jaguars have to walk a fine line. And, and Doug didn't by throwing everybody out on the defensive side. I get that. But here's where you got to be careful. Doug did allude to this in his press conference on Monday. You, you have to learn the lessons from it. You have to be mindful of what just happened. But you also have to be future focused. You can't be dialed in and let that kill you next year too. The Colts came down here at the end of the 2021 season and they just needed to beat the Jaguars who were playing with a, a interim head coach and a rookie quarterback to make the playoffs. And, and we talked about this last week. We used this example of what was possible and they lost and they went back to Indianapolis and you know, they're, they're a franchise and John can, can testify to this that generally is not ever really a mess, right? I mean, they do things the right way, but they painted the score of that game on the locker room wall as you walked in for everybody to see, and they didn't handle it the right way. They started with a tie against the Texans. They got shut out here, and they started 3-5-1, and one, and they fired Frank Reich, and they hired Jeff Saturday off of a set somewhere in Bristol, Connecticut. And, and a franchise that had always done things seemingly the right way was all of a sudden in a tailspin. Now, they cleaned it out and they fixed it a year later, but the point is, you got to be careful. You can't just knee-jerk react, and I'm not saying that's what Doug did, but you've got to be very methodical in how you use this. Otherwise, if you don't, it can cost you next year, too. I think the Colts, my impression was that they kind of thought that that one game was a slip-up and that they were really, really close. I think the Jaguars can avoid getting into that mindset Brian because they lost five of six so I think the actions of Doug on uh, Monday certainly showed hey we need to change we can't just come back and worry about beating this one team at right. the end of the season we've got to make sure there's some systemic things fixed so I don't know if those things will work but I think his approach on that front is probably right right you, but you have to turn over every stone and you have to figure things out you got to know why your team didn't play well 
in big games. And he said he knew what the whys were. But you can't just take it for granted, and you can't just keep throwing it back in players' faces with the score painted inside the locker room as they walked in every day. There's, there's, there's a fine, this is what coaches are paid for. This is why NFL head coaches are highly paid. This is his job to figure out. Very fine line, because as you'd say, if they make the playoffs, probably a completely different situation totally right different. now. So. Oh, no doubt. John, what's your hot take for us? Well, I want to read it because it's been a while since I sent it. It's <laughs> weird. Uh, yeah, I don't know how to explain it. Um, and Sunday night when I was thinking about this game, I kept thinking, you know, five of the last six, no way did I expect this to happen. I thought it was a mature team. At eight and three, I thought this was a mature team that maybe wasn't a great team, but that would win the games down the stretch that it was supposed to win and get in. I, did, I never thought they were the number one seed. I never thought they were going to the Super Bowl, but I thought they were good. I thought they could. Uh, and I guess maybe Doug explained it a little bit on Monday when he talked about never really being able to figure out why this team didn't capture every moment. I don't know if that's the right way to say it, but he talked about, you know, I told these guys week two, week three, every moment matters. And you could tell from the way he talked, he didn't think that they really grasped that. Uh, so maybe that's what it was. I mean, it, it, that's a little out there. It's There's not really a good thing to tweet about that statement, you know, it, but I think it's in there somewhere that they just didn't fully grasp each moment, each game's importance, and play with the urgency in every moment that they should have. Well, I worried about them after they came off the bye week and, and got blown out by San Francisco, 34-3. But then they righted the ship, right? Mm -hmm. and, they, and they won those division games that they needed to win. So they're 8-3, and three and you feel better about them. And, and then the defense comes out against a backup quarterback, and they were shredded that night. And McManus misses the kick, and the quarterback gets hurt, and then it just sort of slides all the way downhill from there. So um, obviously they just weren't mature enough, good enough when they needed to be this year. Mine's a little bit of my hot take has already come true, but I'm going to double down on it a little bit. This collapse must inspire some change. Obviously we've seen a lot of change in the coaching staff already. I don't advocate for people getting fired all the time, but something needs to change here. And that's not just coaching staff, that's players as well, because Coaching staff can do a lot. I think scheme can do a lot, all of that. But players are the ones out on the field, and they need to be making that stuff happen. All we heard all season long was there was no execution. And at a certain point for me, if I've heard that five, six times, maybe they can't execute it. Maybe the players you have can't execute what you're trying to do. So if that means you have to add to this team. And then for me personally with the players, I need a little bit of a mentality shift. We're seeing some of it from you know, Christian Kirk and Evan, Evan Ingram, I think a little bit of their post game, you know, what we heard from them is frustration because it's like, hey, I'm out here busting my butt and I know what a bad situation is. I came here and I wanted it to be better. And I think there's a decent amount of it that, you know, maybe it's young players, maybe it's just the mentality of, you know, they're happy where they're at, but it's, it's that not hating losing, right? We talked about Mike Rabel's pissed. He doesn't want to lose. He's that kind of player, that kind of coach. And I think there's a lot of, if we lose, uh, and then when it started to stack up, then people were like, wait, wait, wait. And it's like, if you don't hate it the first time, then it's kind of becomes okay. And that's when it's five of six. And then you're like, oh wait, how did this happen? So for me, it was a little bit of a, 
I want to see change in terms of whether that's just the people that are already here having a mentality change or if it's new people being brought in to change that kind of culture a little bit because there's a great culture in the terms they don't they aren't individual players like only caring about numbers but they also need to really be focused on wanting to be a championship team and wanting to win more so than just like kind of be okay kind of be happy to be there I, yeah, think, I think go ahead well I think Travis Etienne is gonna be an interesting person to watch next year on this front Travis has a really good feel um, that he's not going to play in this league forever. He's a running back. He's he very there. well aware that he has a limited amount of time to be good, and it matters to him a great deal. Uh, and he said it at his locker on Monday uh, that there's only a few years you get, and I'm paraphrasing that very well, but his gist was there's only a few years you get at this thing. And there was an overriding f fear among the leaders who really – uh, who you feel like ought to be your core, Evan, Christian, uh, even Josh, uh, even Travis, they wasted one this year. Yeah. And, I, and Cisco said it on Sunday. They're going to look back on this one and, and, and realize someday how hard it is to get there. It was right there, and they gave one away. Uh, Travis talked about being more of a leader next year. My guess is – you know, the guys around him are going to realize urgency next year. So, well, maybe that's, that's what, what it you takes. Need. Maybe yeah. that's what it takes for them to show up in the big games, right? Like they did a year ago when they were the hunter and not the hunted. But this year in the big games, they didn't. They, they weren't ready to play. Here, you, you talk about change. Here's what I want to make sure, if, if I'm Doug, is that we don't fool ourselves, that we don't turn the tape on and go, yeah. well, this player can get stronger and this player can play better here and we can do this. And, I mean, you've got to take a really honest look at the personnel and say, can this guy get the job done? Do we have the right guy? And, and I, you know, on the offensive line, it's a great draft for offensive line. You better go get some and not fool yourself and think, hey, we were okay. We, you know, we only gave it so many sacks. We had injuries. I mean, that's an area, a, a drum that I'm going to beat all offseason long. You have got to fix the offensive line because you have a franchise quarterback. Your quarterback had a left knee, a right ankle, a right shoulder, even though that wasn't the offensive line's fault because he was scrambling outside the pocket, but got the concussion as well. You, you got to protect the quarterback, just like the Bengals a few years ago made a big push to shore up the offensive line in front of Joe Burrow. You must take care of the offensive line this year in the offseason to keep Trevor Lawrence where he needs to be. Stay with us here on Dagzam. We'll talk a little bit about what we've got going on in the postseason coming up after the break. Jags fans, if you want customized Jaguars furniture for your home, check out ZipChair.com to browse all the customizable options. ZipChair is furniture for fans. We also want to honor our Florida Lottery High School Scholar Athlete of the Week, Kyle Brown. Kyle is a proven academic excellence, dedication to the community, and he's demonstrated leadership as well. The Bright Futures Scholarship Program is primarily funded by the Florida Lottery, assisting students in pursuing post-secondary education and career goals. So congrats to Kyle. All right, we're in the offseason now, a little sooner than we expected or hoped for, I suppose. But um, there are some things to look forward to. Obviously, we'll take a little bit of a mental break, and then we'll kind of get into draft mode. But um, We've well, got some storylines to follow now. We I mean, certainly you're do. You're going to have to replace the defensive coordinator and the entire defensive staff. Mm -hmm. That'll be a big one to follow. It will be. Yes, it will. Josh Allen's contract. <laughs> Josh Allen's contract. Uh, a lot about Calvin's contract. Calvin's contract. Uh, 
the third year guys, Trevor Lawrence's contract, which I'm, I'm not sure where that goes now. So we'll see. You know, there's if there if you if you're really searching for a silver lining in this, how how the Jaguars can find some way to look at this. If you'd come out of this season, and you'd like to come out of this season having to pay everybody, but all of a sudden you don't, right? You're going to pay Josh, and and you're maybe going to pay Calvin Ridley, but you don't have to rush on Trevor at this point in time, right? I mean, you don't have to figure out Cisco or Tyson Campbell. You can let that play out a little bit because I don't think I would pay them yet. So, you know, the salary cap and free agency and the draft are going to be big stories for this team this year. They always are big stories, but this year in particular because of Trevor's contract and going forward into 2025. All right, join us tomorrow on Jags AM as we'll go over some of those coaching changes and also that list of free agents that are coming up for this team as we look ahead to the offseason.